It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! And a World Series Game 7 winning Curly W is in the books! The celebration is on! The Washington Nationals are the world champions! Welcome Nationals fans to the first podcast of the 2020 season and the first edition of the Curly W Live from the Field podcast. I know it's a bit of a change from what you're used to, but I will explain a bit later what it all means. Before producing this episode, I hadn't heard Charlie Slow's World Series uh, Game 7 final out call in a while. Man, what a moment. Hearing that call will never, ever get old. Uh, My name is Kyle Brostowitz, and I'm coming to you from the Curly W Live studios here in Washington, D.C. I know these are crazy, stressful, uh, unprecedented, upsetting, scary, whatever word you want to use, times. And we know as baseball fans and Nationals fans, there's a desire for content, discussion, uh, anything to pass the time and give us something else to think about. So we wanted to get the podcast going and hopefully fill some of those voids. Our first guest this season is Jessica Camarado, the Nationals beat writer for MLB.com. Those of you that follow the team know that uh, Jamal Collier moved on to another opportunity this offseason and Jessica was hired to replace him. Now I'm sure you read her coverage all spring and Uh, maybe even a little bit before that. So I wanted to take the time to have her on the podcast, introduce her, um, learn more about her career path, her writing style, just an opportunity for uh, the fans that will be reading her stuff to get to know her a little bit. Now, we recorded this podcast with Jessica a few days before spring training was canceled. So in their interview, there is some discussion about the current team, uh, where the team was at that point in spring. Uh, But it really is more of a conversation about getting to know her um, and what she's going to offer to Nationals fans. Now, as it relates to the Curly W Live podcast as a whole, as I mentioned at the start, um, over the next few weeks and months, we're going, hoping to expand the content offerings of the podcast and want to bring in some new voices along the way. Uh, now, my voice will continue to bring you interviews from the field, the front office, and other baseball-related items. Uh, but as we go along, we're hoping to take the podcast into the stands to hear from fans, into the booth with some of our broadcasters, uh, and into the community to highlight some of the uh, work we're doing around D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. So be on the lookout for some new episodes and some different kind of episodes along the way. Remember, you can listen to the podcast, including all past episodes, through our blog, which is curlyw.mlblogs.com, and through iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and art19.com. To find it, simply search Washington Nationals Podcasts. You can also find the podcast on a couple other platforms, including CastBox, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, and Stitcher. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, if you're looking to fill the void a bit, uh, all of our podcasts from the past couple seasons are archived, so be sure to check them out. Oh, and one more thing, uh, inspired by our very own closer, Sean Doolittle, I'm going to give my own book re- recommendations uh, at the end of each podcast moving forward. So my bookshelves are filled with mainly baseball, sports, and other history books. So at the end, uh, stay tuned for a few of my own personal recommendations. But let's get right to it. Here is the first podcast of the 2020 season, the first edition of the Curly W Live from the Field podcast with Jessica Camarado of MLB.com. Enjoy. 
All right, welcome, Jessica, to the Curly W Live studios. Today it is the one of the many radio booths we have at 15 Ballpark of the Palm Beaches, looking out over a beautiful day here, getting ready for uh, Nationals against Astros, where we are serving as the road team. Um, so we are visitors in our own house today. So I know you've been here for a few weeks at this point, but uh, welcome to the beat officially. Thank uh, you. Covering the World Series champion Washington Nationals. I know fans, Nationals fans especially, have been reading your stuff the last couple weeks, but um, we wanted to give them a chance to get to you know you a little bit through through the podcast. Um, this is now our, I believe, our third season doing this. This is the first episode of 2020. So uh, again, welcome and, and thanks for some of your time before the game gets started. Yeah, this is great. Thank you. Let's start from the top. I mean, you this is your first spring with us, but uh, as we'll talk about later, you've, you've covered other sports and other teams in baseball. Um, but you know, where are you from? Where'd you go to college? What what were you what were you a fan of growing up? Let's let's kind of start there. I am from the uh, this little sports area of the country called Boston. Oh, I might have heard of it. So might have heard of it. Just <laughs> a few sports teams to watch yeah. there. So I uh, I grew up outside of Boston. Later on in life, lived like in the downtown part of the city, which was really cool. Mm -hmm. But uh, in between then, I went to college at Quinnipiac in Connecticut. It's like 15 minutes outside of New Haven. And during that time, I did mm -hmm. a study abroad program in Salamanca. So stayed in the New England area okay. for college and then went to Europe for a little bit during oh, wow. the same time. <laughs> nice. Was, was sports a big part of your, your upbringing growing up? Did you play? Did you, even when you studied abroad, was, was covering sports part of what you did when you did that too? Yeah, so I was into sports, I think around the time I was like nine mm. I got the chicken pox around the age of like nine or ten during mm. the NCAA tournament so that's a, that's a good time, good time when you're to a little get kid yeah. to have chicken good pox. excuse to stay home exactly so don't, I watched you, don't, you don't have to fake being sick <laughs> yeah I watched a ton of uh, mm. college basketball there started playing very mm. poorly I was a five foot six power forward I joke I'm like why did my parents encourage <laughs> this thanks mom and dad but um, so I played basketball for like eight years I played softball for seven mm -hmm. as a third baseman and a catcher but uh, during my senior year of high school I stopped playing sports and I fell in love with the TV production class that mm -hmm. I took and okay. just started to focus on the media path really like my junior and senior year mm -hmm. of high school were there any um, you know favorite teams or players you can remember from your childhood you know, obviously it's Boston, so I'm pretty sure I know these answers, but uh, I'll give, give fans a little bit of a glimpse into that. I'm going to throw you a curveball uh, there. Oh, all right. Baseball pun intended. <laughs> uh, growing up in Boston, I was a Braves fan. Okay. They were on TBS, so I started to watch the Braves. Mm -hmm. uh, Chipper Jones was my favorite player, mm -hmm. but of course that era with all of their amazing pitching. Right. So I was a big Braves fan. Um, one of the first Red Sox games I went to was actually interleague mm -hmm. play to go see the Braves oh, play, well, okay. not the Red Sox. And uh, I was a Celtics fan, but also a big fan of the San Antonio Spurs. David Robinson was my favorite player. What, drew, what drew you to the Spurs? It's, it's an interesting uh, – I could see why the Braves because, like, we've talked about TBS. Um, but what drew you to the San Antonio Spurs? The fundamentals. <laughs> I always say they're the best, least exciting <laughs> team to watch. You're not going to get flash. You're right. not going to get hype, but you get solid basketball. Is that how you played sports, too? You're big on fundamentals? Yeah, I was a really scrappy rebounder. I tried to be because then there were a lot of other things there that I was go. good at on the basketball court. Uh, now, from a, a sports media or sports writing perspective, you're obviously a fan, but were there any writers, TV personalities, um, you know, anyone maybe in the Boston area or you know, uh, national writers that you were inspired by or you really loved reading their stuff and kind of got you going in this, on, down this career path? Yeah, being from Boston, I was, you know, very lucky to grow up with some of what I consider to be some of the best mm -hmm. sports writers around. So just 
reading Jackie McMullen and then okay. later on being able to be around her, mm. I call her the Michael Jordan right. of sports reporting. She's just amazing to watch her mm. walk, to watch her work a locker mm. room in the clubhouse and then see how she puts all those interviews down into words. Mm. She, to me, is like the utmost when it comes to sports reporting. When you got to meet her for the first time, do you remember that and what went through your mind? And were you nervous kind of meeting your yeah. your idol a little bit? I was so nervous and she's such a wonderful person. Mm-hmm. You know, she's like, if you need any advice. And I was like, is this like <laughs> a real moment? I had a similar yeah. moment with Doris Burke. Okay. I was in the Chicago Bulls locker room talking to Derrick Rose mm-hmm. and she came over to say hi to me. And in the moment I was like, oh, I wonder if Derrick Rose thinks that like, I'm cool because Doris Burke <laughs> is talking to me. Most people think the other way around. Right. I was like, you see that? Doris right. Burke is saying hi. <laughs> hmm. um, anyone that's read your stuff so far uh, with us this spring knows you're, you're fluent in Spanish. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously in baseball, that helps a lot. Um, and especially with our clubhouse, we have a lot of um, Latin American players, a lot of guys that are that speak Spanish but also do their interviews in English. But you're, you've been a good bridge for them so far and making them comfortable. So what, what was your inspiration um, for you know studying Spanish and making it part of your, your career? I started learning Spanish when I was in the sixth grade. It was just a class Mm -hmm. that was offered at the time. I know now it's being offered even earlier, but um, it was just something that I always was drawn to. Mm -hmm. It felt like it came naturally. I was way more of an English and language person Mm -hmm. than a math and science person. So when I got to college, I placed into like junior level Mm -hmm. Spanish my freshman year. And because I had surpassed so many Mm -hmm. credits, I was able to complete a double major in the same amount of time. So I did broadcast journalism in Spanish. And then what, did you do that knowing that, you know, maybe you'd be covering baseball? No or idea. <laughs> no? I went to school. I was the news director for okay. the TV station. I was sending out demo takes to like Macon, Georgia and small markets. Okay. And then um, during my junior year, I interned at a news station mm-hmm. and I was in the news department. But I just happened to be sent to an NBA summer league. And it in was Las Vegas. In, uh, it was still in Boston, oh, Boston? at okay. the time. So uh, LeBron was there and LeBron didn't want to do an interview and I always joke that if LeBron did the interview I may not have wanted to pursue sports wow but it was because he said no I was like okay this is a challenge Mm -hmm. and I want to attain this so I realized I could combine my love for writing and and sports at the same time that's great so um let's talk a little bit about your career path you've mentioned NBA stuff a little bit and obviously you worked in Boston last year for OB.com so Kind of take us through your career path and how, how you got to sitting at 15 Ballpark of the Palm Beaches <laughs> in spring training with me. This is probably the most random career path. <laughs> uh, I got my first writing job. I found it on Craigslist. Oh, wow. It was like a fantasy basketball website, and I wrote about college basketball mm-hmm. off of TV. And then when I graduated, I... Uh, my parents always told me, if you want to mm-hmm. do sports, that's cool, but you still need to pay your bills. So I worked at... I worked in marketing. Mm-hmm full-time marketing and editing and edit i was a web editor okay. in a publishing company for eight years while at the same wow. time doing sports so i would go to an office like 8 30 to 5 every day and then do sports at wow. night and on the weekends but i found my first baseball job um i just blindly googled red sox media and i found <laughs> there was a spanish broadcast so i oh, sent wow. an email i was like do you need help for this season and that's how i got wow. my foot in the door there i got my first basketball job by uh going on the Amazon magazine marketplace and just emailing publishers. Wow. So shout out to everyone <laughs> who read my emails and gave me a chance. No, but because it was, right. it's totally just right. I mean, like that's cold in, calling. Right. That's it. That's exactly what you do. And that's inspirational for any, any um, aspiring sports writers or 
um, sports fans that, you know, uh, you get asked a lot, how'd you get into the business? And everybody has a different story. Yeah. Like it's, it, it you, you did your way. Everyone, uh, we all kind of have our story and I think there's no blueprint for it. Yeah, it, you took, know. it took me eight years right. to land a job full-time in sports. Oh. It was only in the end of 2015 I got hired mm-hmm. as a, to be the Sixers beat reporter at NBC okay. Sports Philadelphia. But during that time, I was juggling like eight different jobs right. all at once. So you, it was NBC Sports Philadelphia, and then from there you went to Boston for MLB.com? Yeah. Was, okay, cool. Yeah, last year I covered uh, mostly the visiting mm-hmm. teams, which was a really great way to get back into baseball. Right. I had done baseball for a bunch of years, mm-hmm. but getting back and – it was mostly American League, mm-hmm. but uh, as Drupal Cabrera was there, so there you go. <laughs> familiar face. Familiar. <laughs> um, do you have any, you know, favorite moments from your sports writing career? You obviously talked about Jackie McMullen and meeting her and uh, Doris Burke, but was there any? Has there been any, been any like top special moments for you the last couple of years in this uh, in this in this career? Yeah, I mean, it's been really cool being able to cover a lot of amazing players. Like mm-hmm. when the Celtics put their big three together, that was kind of jaw-dropping right. to be interviewing players like Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett mm-hmm. and Paul Pierce had already been there. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the coolest moments was my first interview ever in baseball was with David Ortiz. Oh, wow. And he said, we're going to do this in Spanish. So that <laughs> was really uh, a good crash course in <laughs> multi-language sports mm-hmm. journalism. But um, the most impactful story I did, and I, I was really grateful for this opportunity, mm-hmm. Keon Dooling, who I covered on the Celtics, mm-hmm. came to me. He abruptly retired, and mm-hmm. he came to me and said, I want you to tell the story. You know, I was abused my whole oh, life. Oh, wow. And being able to tell that story, which he's gone on to share with so mm-hmm. many people, that was the most meaningful mm-hmm. moment for me. That's great to hear. Uh, so we've, we've solicited some fan questions, yes, as I'm sure you saw via Twitter. And, um, you know, the – if we pick your your question, you get a very special gift, and that's the 2020 Media Guide. Um, when it's complete, when it's shipped, uh, we will send it out to our fans that we pick for these questions. So our first one is going to come from – hold on, let me find it. And we have some very loyal listeners to the podcast, so we get some great questions. Um, but the first one's going to come from Jake Nats 24 and uh, we both can probably answer this one because I think we might have different different answers maybe, but – uh, who do you see from camp um, from the NRIs who's impressing you the most? I have been impressed with Bonifacio. Mm-hmm. I think he's been turning right. heads for a lot of people. He, I think he can play more positions than actually exist on a baseball <laughs> field. He probably, if, they, if, like, if the NHL needed an emergency he's goalie, <laughs> he probably could do that too. So I like what he does on the field, mm-hmm. the versatility, but even just being around him in the clubhouse, mm-hmm. he said to me, I'm always happy. And right. it really transpires. He... Um, he got matching T-shirts mm-hmm. uh, for a bunch right. for a bunch of players. He's just you can just tell he's like a good glue guy. Right. So I'm interested to see what happens with him. You stole mine. <laughs> um, we, can, we can we can share. Well, I think the thing about Bonifacio and, and we were here last year and fans knowing kind of how last year went. What he described was Harara Para. Mm-hmm. That that's kind of the impact he had on us last year. Um, he, I don't think he can play as many positions as Emilio, but he'd probably challenge him for that if needed. I mean, Gerardo pitched last year at one point. Um, but I, I feel the same way. I think he's doing a lot of good things on the field. He's versatile uh, with the 26th man. You know, you never know what you can use for that position. But when I when I see Bonifacio in the clubhouse and on the field and the way you just described him, I picture Gerardo Parra. So, um, so what we gr- should ask Great minds Emilio. think alike. Well, yes, yeah. and we should ask Emilio, what's your favorite song? Because if we're going to oh, put him boy. in that category – yeah, if he if he names a certain song, then <laughs> things might get weird around here uh, for a second straight year. I'm ready but for 
So uh, that's kind of a good transition to camp so far. Um, you've been, like I said, with us from the start of spring training. Um, so let's kind of start with, you know, you're, ta- you're in the clubhouse every day. Um, who are some players so far that have kind of, um, you know, you've been really enjoyed talking to them, um, getting to know their stories. Um, well, and so we'll start with that. Players that have been great to talk to. I was um – you know, I'm always interested in seeing the player development. Mm-hmm. So Luis Garcia, yep. just getting to know him so young mm-hmm. and early in his career, right. still being technically a teenager. Mm-hmm. That's been really interesting to watch, even just from the beginning of camp, mm-hmm. to see his personality really right. start to come out more, um, him becoming way more comfortable doing. We did an interview yesterday and he spoke all in English. Nice. Like he's just becoming a lot right. more comfortable with himself and around the clubhouse. Mm-hmm. And on the field, we're seeing that translate, too. Mm-hmm. That was actually the uh, the subject of our next fan question, so we can probably get right to it, talking about Mr. Garcia. And I, I agree with you in, with him. I mean, we met him last year, um, and he was real real quiet. He was kind of following Juan Soto around a little bit, uh, which actually in spring training last year I was impressed with Juan because he was really showing these guys the ropes um, last year. And that, that says a lot about who Juan is as a leader, and these guys really, really look up to him. And the, trend, the, um, the growth in, in Luis from last year – to where he's at this year, both physically, um, he's he's a big kid. He's having a great spring, and and in the clubhouse, um, it, we've all been really impressed with with what he's been doing. So, um, this question comes from Drew Douglas VT, uh, a regular on the podcast Question Circuit. So, Drew, good to hear from you again, buddy. Um, with the impressive spring that Luis Garcia has put together, could we potentially see him debut this year, or even as a September call up, or do you think he's still a little further away? I think it would benefit him to spend as much time in the minors as possible Mm -hmm. because when you look at this team, there aren't a lot of holes in the roster. So to have a player just kind of sitting there, it's not really doing Mm -hmm. him any justice. So I think there's so much more for him still Mm -hmm. to learn. Like he's been a a face with this team for a while, but again, 19 years old. He's still 19. (laughs) It's, it's, uh, for those of us that aren't 19 anymore, it's kind of jarring to see. Uh, No, that was two years ago. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. Same, same. Um, so some storylines of spring training so far, um, you know, what are some things that you maybe from when you came into the camp, you thought you'd be covering and have they come to fruition? Have you kind of developed um, new focuses for yourself in terms of what you want to cover, what you kind of want to get out of these next few weeks? What are some storylines that, that really pique your interest? I think the biggest storyline coming in was the third base situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at the contributions that left in free agency. And then it's like, how do you replace that? Well, Mm -hmm. the answer is not just with one single person, but then when such a young player is in line to fill that position, Mm -hmm. that's so interesting to watch and really all the behind the scenes stuff that goes into it with watching how Cabrera is embracing the mentor Mm -hmm. role with, uh, with Carter. That's been really cool to see. Also, you look at pitching, what's going to happen with the fifth pitcher Mm -hmm. situation and then the bullpen too. I mean, these guys threw so much last season, just watching everybody ramp up. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think one thing everybody is looking for is what else will Juan Soto do this year? (laughs) What else can he do? He had a ball in Jupiter yesterday that I don't know if it's landed yet. Um, out to right field. Yeah, exactly. It might've landed over here. Uh, along with this spring, you being new to the club, obviously you've gotten a chance to meet, um, you know, Dave Martinez, our manager. So what have your been impressions of Davey been so far, both from a media perspective, maybe talking to him off the record or seeing how he operates spring training? What, what have you thought of Davey so far? Yeah. Big personality right there, Mm -hmm. which uh, getting to know him separately, like 
when we, you know, when we meet with him in his right. office or outside there and then seeing the clubhouse like separately from him, right. you see how all of it flows together. And it's cool to cover a manager with a big personality yeah, that, yeah. that likes to talk. I would think so. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, I'm coming from covering um, Brett Brown and mm. Doc Rivers. And these are guys right. that like to talk. So it's right. cool when we do our media interviews and then after you know, we all sit mm. around the table and just chat with him. Right. So it's, it's been good being new to the beat, having that extra opportunity mm -hmm. to get right. to know a manager when mm. they sit right. and chat longer. Right. It's a great, and especially spring training is a little more relaxed and there's more time for that. And because once the season starts, it's a little more, a um, little more focused, a little more schedule. We're, we're focused more on schedule. So it's, I think spring training is great for that. And we have a great patio out back where we can all get to know it. <laughs> and Davey does have really good restaurant recommendations, yes. which as someone who does not cook. Mm -hmm. So for anyone listening, if you have restaurant recommendations, <laughs> send them my way. It's been a, it's been good to right. hear some of his like top five. Right. <laughs> and you're new to DC. So it's, you're, we got a clean slate so we all can uh, push our restaurant agenda exactly. on you if needed. Um, so finally, I've, like you said, this is your first, you know, first couple weeks on the beat. So fans are going to be reading. If they haven't already, they're going to be following you a lot once the season starts. If you could kind of describe your writing style and what you know fans are going to get from reading your your stuff every day and follow you on Twitter, what what do you see as your style? What do you hope fans get out of how you you know put stuff out there? Yeah, when you're the beat reporter, you know you're responsible for getting all the daily news out there mm -hmm. and all the big right. topics. So there's obviously going to be that. But aside from that. My big thing is I think the media is like a bridge between the fans right. and the players. And there is nothing I love more than a good people story. <laughs> I honestly want to know like what you right. got for your birthday when you were turning three. I find that interesting. There you go. All of that kind of stuff. And just being able to speak Spanish mm -hmm. and English. There's so many more storylines that can be told. Right. So player interactions. Um like I said, background stories, mm -hmm. things like that. But in addition to just writing for MLB.com, I think that reporting is multimedia. Mm -hmm. I had a large TV background with the Sixers and previous jobs, so you can keep an eye on social media. Okay. I like to do Facebook Lives, Instagrams, things like that. So basically anywhere you can look, <laughs> I want there to be Nationals coverage. All right, that's good. Well, that, that's a good transition. We're going we're gonna to close up and let you get off to covering the game, but uh, where can fans find everything that you're putting out there? Okay, so grab a pen <laughs> or grab your phone. It's uh, not if you're driving. Though. If you're listening to this and driving, just rewind when you uh, just listen. Get home. Listen. <laughs> yeah. So on Twitter, it's at Jessica Camarado. On Instagram, it's at J Camarado. I am also on Facebook under the same name. I mean, it's my only name, so that's, <laughs> it's on there. Nice. It's on there too. And then uh, coverage on Nationals.com. And MLB.com as well. Awesome. Well, Jessica, thank you. Uh, welcome to the beat once again. Uh, thank you for taking some time out to uh, join the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thanks to Jessica for hanging out with us on the first podcast of the 2020 season. Uh, also, thank you to Drew Douglas and at Jake Nats 24 for your questions. Uh, I promise when the time comes and we have copies of the 2020 media guide, I will be in touch. Uh, so here are my two book recommendations for the podcast. Uh, these are probably my two favorite baseball books of all time. So I figure I start with them. Uh, the first is titled Bullpen Gospels by Dirk Hayhurst. Um, I don't think I ever read a book faster um, before this or since I read this book um, or laughed as much reading a book as this one. Uh, the author, uh, Dirk Hayhurst, uh, takes us through his time as a minor league pitcher. Um, a lot of the book features just crazy stories from uh, that part of his life. Uh, he's a reliever. Um, so the title Bullpen Gospels fits. Um, a lot of thoughts from the bullpen, a lot of stories from the bullpen, um, but also goes through some of the tough times he went through along the way. 
uh, it was the first of three books uh, in a series that uh, Dirk Hayhurst did, uh, with the other ones coming out later titled Out of My League, uh, the story of when he makes his Major League debut. Uh, and then the final one is titled Bigger Than the Game. Uh, it's about the end of his career. So, But I definitely recommend um, the Bullpen Gospels. Really good stuff, really funny, really entertaining, uh, really thoughtful book um, about uh, a minor league pitcher's life in baseball. The second book is titled The Greatest Game Ever Pitched by Jim Kaplan. Uh, it is the story of a game on July 2nd, 1963, between the Milwaukee Braves and the San Francisco Giants. Uh, Warren Spahn, pitcher for the Braves, and Juan Marichal for the Giants went toe-to-toe for 16 innings. Um, so this book is a story of that game. Now think about that, fans. Two starting pitchers went 16 innings. And we all know that in today's game, that will not happen. Um, so this book is, like I said, this book is a story of that game, but it is also serves as a dual biography of those two pitchers, um, two Hall of Famers, two of the best of their time, uh, two of the best ever. Um, so the author does a really good job of bouncing back and forth between the game story, which obviously it was an entertaining game, um, and also the bi- biographies of two Hall of Fame pitchers. So um, if you're looking for a good baseball history book, be sure to check that one out. So thanks for listening, Nationals fans. Like I said in the beginning, uh, be on the lookout for some more offerings as we move along on the podcast. But for now, uh, we'll see you next time on the Curly W Live podcast. Mm-hmm.